You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Reading me this, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> the truth is, we all love to be praised, don't we? It, it encourages us. It's like water for the soul. And I know for myself, when Michael lifts up people in church, he usually starts saying, you know, and there's a brother who's persevered. And I'm like, maybe he's talking about me. He's an awesome brother. He's read a great Emperor Little Church. I was like, yeah, that could be me. And I was like, okay, let me poise myself so when he mentions my name, I just remain cool and collective. And he says, I really want to lift up Martin Scott. And I'm like, oh, it's not me. Oh. Oh, it's not me. But you know, we love to be praised. It makes us feel good and encourages us, doesn't it? Have you ever been encouraged by someone? It's an incredible thing. You know, another uh, synonym or some synonyms for praise would be to be commanded. To be complimented. To be appreciated, to be esteemed, to be applauded, and to be raved. There are so many places in the Bible where you find the expression, praise the Lord. Now, praise the Lord has kind of become like the word Christian. Because of how people use it, it has really lost its meaning. If you tell people you're a Christian, you're just like anyone else who was born into a Christian family. Who was baptized as an infant, but really doesn't mean much. Now when you tell someone, I'm a disciple. Oh, you're a disciple. That is serious. But they're really the same thing. The same thing with praise the Lord is a very common phrase that really has been robbed of its content and meaning by the religious world. That's why the title of today's sermon is not praise the Lord, but rave the Lord. So we're going to be talking about raving the Lord. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 is one of those chapters that you can equate with Leviticus. That you don't exactly find inspiring when you read for your quiet time. It's about... Who is the son of who? And how long they lived. But I found that if you really truly want to appreciate the full depth of the Bible, you've got to learn to read in between the lines. Because God gives us some information that if we really sit still, meditate, and consider it, it's a lot deeper than it appears on the surface. And Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 to 23, is one of those verses. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Not a bad age, isn't it? Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more, 
Because God took him away. You know, one of the few people in the Bible that didn't die, God just said, you know what? I cannot wait to have you with me. You are so special to me. I'm not going to let you live your natural life. I'm going to take you to be with me right now. Why? What made Enoch different? Well, the Bible doesn't really say, but it does tell us what changed his life. And we see that here in verse 22. It says that after he got his first son, from that moment on, he walked with God. So when he had his first son, something clicked. Where he just totally, completely fell in love, head over heels, with the Lord God Almighty. His life must have been totally transformed before the very eyes of his friends and family. His life was never ever the same again. And that needs to be the case for everyone who has an encounter with God. A life completely different and changed. You know, isn't it awesome if you think about it? God in heaven saying, I can't wait for all the to be with me. Now, the knees may disagree with that at this point in time. But it will be awesome if God said, I cannot wait for Hepworth to be with me in heaven. Can you imagine, you know, Peter who has the keys to the kingdom of heaven in, in a traditional understanding, God going to Peter. So Peter, who do we have coming up to heaven today with us? Peter says, well, from London we've got Yomi Bello. God says, you mean that bald-headed guy from Nigeria? Living in London, Peter says, yes, Lord. And the Lord starts singing, oh, Lord. Why didn't I raise the standard? Now, believe me, God wants Yummy to go to heaven. You know, God will not say that about anyone. God loves all of us a lot. The question is, how much do we rave God? You know, the first point is, you got to rave the Lord for the people in your life. Let's go to Psalms chapter 51. You say, Psalms chapter 51, that's what David wrote right after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. What does that have to do with people in my life? And especially being fired up about it. Well, we're going to get there. Now, Jesus, they asked Jesus the most important command. And what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. But right after that, he said what? Love your neighbor as 
yourself. And we are pretty awesome at loving ourselves. <laughs> you say, yeah, but when Jesus said that about loving my neighbor as myself, my neighborhood didn't exist yet. Well, we're called to love those around us, no matter what. Now, I'm going to confess two things today. One, I'm going to confess that I've been becoming a hypocrite. Because a few months ago, I discipled Nicholas Giorgio on drinking too much coffee. And a couple of days ago, I started drinking coffee. But the second thing I want to confess is that before we moved here, we were really thinking about moving somewhere else. Can I continue? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to continue. It's like, you know, because we are thinking, where can we move? We can maybe, we thought of Brazil. Woo, Not a bad place. I'm sure someone here, at least one person here agrees with me. <laughs> we thought about moving to Chile. Santiago. Santiago, Chile. We thought of moving to Orlando. And not for Disney World. But, you know, we were pretty close to, to the Sullivans. Matt and Helen Sullivan. And especially in my heart, I was like, you know, I feel a lot closer to Matt Sullivan than to Michael Williamson. Now, I'm not saying this now because he's not here. <laughs> Just for you to know. <laughs> He'll hear it because this is all being taped. Amen. But I'll tell you something. Since we moved here, it has become absolutely, totally clear to me why God called us to move to London, England. Since we've been here, I have been super grateful for Michael being in my life. And of course, the Williamsons being our lives, our being Maria and myself. Michael and I really are complete opposites. Just in case if you haven't noticed, we kind of look opposites. <laughs> Michael's strengths are totally my weaknesses. I feel like, and, and, and Maria confirms this, and some other people, that since I've come here, I've really been a different person. Far from perfect, but a changed man. That is because a lot of it due to Michael Williamson helping me, discipling me. Now, you got to understand. It's not like it's been all awesome and great and fun. No. That just doesn't happen in this life. Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> there have been those moments where there have been some tension. There have been those moments where you go like, Oh, God. <laughs> With discipling. Where, you know how it is sometimes when you're not really in touch with one another. And there are some unresolved issues. Your mind starts raising. 
and if he says this, I'm going to say this. And if he has this comeback, I'm going to say this. But if he says that, I'm going to have this reaction. <laughs> you know, there have been those moments where, you know, you got to just, that's okay. We're going to submit to each other, not because we feel awesome about it, but Jesus Christ commanded it. Yeah. And so, it has been truly amazing, having been here now for almost two years. Now let's read Psalm chapter 51, verse 16 and 17, if you're still with me. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. David wrote this psalm after, at least recording the Bible, the lowest point of his life. Where he committed adultery with one of his faithful followers, his wife. Tries to cover it up, cannot, and then decides, I'm going to just kill the husband to prevent him from having an attitude with me. And telling the people that the son Bathsheba is bearing is not his, but mine, and therefore ruin my reputation. Ever been more concerned about your reputation than the relationship? We've all been there. What does this have to do with people in our lives? Well, David got to this point where he was completely broken and walking with God again. Because a man called, (coughs) (coughs) sorry, someone can maybe get me a cup of water. Thank you. Because of a man called Nathan, who loved the king enough to confront him. Thank you, Paris. That's awesome. Excuse me, just a water break here. All right. They say, you know, we got to appreciate what happened here, what Nathan did, how much Nathan loved David. Because throughout the Bible, there have been other kings that were confronted by men of God. And their reaction was not too fire up and positive. Take, for example, the king before David's soul, who was confronted by Samuel on his sin, and instead of repenting, he started persecuting the prophet, the messenger. Now this was David as a relatively young man. Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 1. And years after David had committed the sin and was confronted by Nathan, we get an incredible insight here. Because David here in 1 Kings chapter 1 is really at the, at the end of his life. Having lived a full life with many victories, some defeats, hardships. And now there's a situation here where Solomon is about to be crowned king, but one of Solomon's brothers disagrees, thinks he should be king, and so he really has a plan to overthrow the government. And who's the man who's there to once again rescue David and Solomon? We're going to find that out. Chapter 1, verse 11. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, 
Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggad, has become king without our Lord David's knowing it? Years, decades later, who is still there advising David? Who is still there protecting him? Looking after his best interest? Nathan. Saving David's throne. Nathan. (coughs) How much do we value the people in our lives that are there to disciple us, to protect us, to help us. Well, you don't know my disciple or what he's like and what she's like. Well, God knows that your disciple is a sinner. God knows that you are a sinner. Some of you may remember this American TV series a long time ago called Heart to Heart. And for obvious reasons, I remember it. Because my last name is Hart. Spelled exactly the same way as the series H-A-R-T. And it's about these two people, man and a woman. Both of them, the last names are Hart, but they're not related. They meet and they get married. And as the show opens up, you know, when you have the music... At the end of the opening of the show, it says, And when they met, it was murder. Because as a couple, they go through all these adventures of people being killed and them having to solve it. See, that's what happens when two sinners get together. Hopefully, it wasn't murder, but there are going to be some complications. And we've got to believe that whoever God put our lives, it is for our benefit. See, we got to value the relationship over how we look. We've got to be willing in front of our disciple to look our worst. And I believe that in front of Michael and Michelle, I've looked my worst. Which is not always easy, but is necessary for us to grow. Amen? Amen. So God has given us awesome relationships for us to learn from, for us to grow. So the relationships we have is because we're alive. Point number two. We gotta rave the Lord for hardships. You say, what? I say, yeah, you gotta rave the Lord for hardships. Acts chapter 22. Sorry, Acts chapter 14. There's an English author. Maybe you've heard of him since most of us are English. His name is Somerset. Morn. Yeah, so some of you have heard of him. Thank you. I don't know how to pronounce. And he wrote a story about a janitor who worked at St. Peter's Church in London. 
And this janitor was really illiterate. And one day as he was working, cleaning the church, a young vicar approached him and somehow found out that he was illiterate. And this young clergyman fired him because he was illiterate. He fell upon hardship and hard times. With his meager savings that over the months and years he had been able to collect, he opened a small tobacco shop, which went well. And after opening the first one with the money generated from that one, he opened a second one and a third and a fourth. And before you knew it, he had a whole chain of tobacco shops. (coughs) One day, (coughs) he was sitting having lunch with his banker. And the banker said, wow, you know, I was thinking, you have done so much while you were and are illiterate. Can you imagine what you would be doing if you could read and write? And he said, sure, I can imagine. I would still be a janitor at St. Peter's Church. See, hardships have a reason. In the world, hardships are many times meaningless. Now, regardless if you're a disciple or not, we all go through hard times. God said in Hebrews, consider hardships as discipline from God. It doesn't say it always is, but it says consider it. So, question is, what kind of hardships are we going through today? Is it financial? Does it have to do with health? Does it have to do with just having a boss that is just a bad boss? Does it have to do with having a difficult neighbor? Having problems with one of your, or (coughs) all of your children? We all go through hardships. <clears throat> we we got to consider this. Most of the Psalms were written under times of duress. Hardships, right? So that's why when we're going through hardships, we read the Psalms. We can read about someone who also went through what we're going through. A lot of the epistles were written from jail. Not the Marriott. Not the Rich Carlton. Not the VIP lounge at Heathrow. From jail. The hero of the Bible was crucified. It's like, wow. So much for the prosperity gospel. We gotta, we gotta be aware of that. Jesus, when speaking to the apostles, what do you say? I have promised you riches and luxury and convenience and a life free of obstacles and trouble. No, he said, Listen, guys, let me break it to you. That's the modern version. In this life, you're going to get trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
financial hardships as a Christian is a promise. Jesus promised us a hundred times more if we give up everything for him. And he says, and by the way, you'll get persecuted also. That's the small print under the contract. You know, that people hope you don't read. But usually the small print is the most important print. So in Acts chapter 14, we have Paul preaching, encouraging the disciples. And what does he say? Well, let's have a look at it. Verse 21 will start. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, (coughs) Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You know, it's very unfortunate, but I I know of at least one person that last year was baptized, confessed Jesus as Lord, and shortly after was not to be seen. And I found out that the reason that he left was that he expected that when he would get baptized, God would just open up all the doors and make his life easy and solve all of his problems. And when that didn't happen, he jumped ship. The first thing that happened to Jesus after he got baptized was what? Was led by who? The Holy Spirit. No, he was, he was tempted by the devil, but not led by the devil. <laughs> he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, where he didn't eat for 40 days. You know, we have not eaten for four hours, because it is the day of fasting, and some of us are like, oh my, this is a hard teaching. Yeah. Imagine 40 days not eating. Wow. And he was tempted by the devil. How do we approach hardships? If I look at my own life, 24 years as a disciple, there have been some awesome times, but there have also been some hard times. And if I, if I add them all up, I do believe that as far as the, the, the time span, the hard times have outweighed the good times. Moses had a vision to free his people. He said, I'm going to free them, and you know what? I may kill a few people in the process. He killed a slave master. He said, now the people must think I'm really awesome. I'm ready to free my people. The next two people he met fighting, he tried to break them. And the guy said, who do you think you are? You're going to kill me? Like you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses got scared, and Pharaoh found out. Why? A Jew, one of his own people, must have told the Egyptians. So for 40 years, he's wandering through the desert, during which time I have no doubt his dreams were put in the closet. His confidence, his ambition 
were buried. And while he thought, man, I am a pretty old guy right now. I guess this is just my life. An average guy who's just living to live and is not really going to accomplish much instead of just raising his kids. God said, you know what? Now is the time. And Moses said, not now, no Lord. I cannot do it. I cannot speak. I cannot do this. He's not a shadow of the guy he was as a prince in Egypt. But you know what's awesome? God, the Bible says, Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Now there is at least one verse that Moses could not have written himself. Because if someone says, I am the most humble guy on the earth. <laughs> eh, impossible. Let's do a test. I want everyone to look to the person to your right. Look to the person to your right. The other right, Jamal. Yes. Or if there's no one on your right, to your left. If you think you're more humble than them, raise your hand. <laughs> Michael Ultra raised his hand. Michael Ultra says he's more humble than James Morgan. <laughs> oh, no, he's changing. He says James is more humble. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Michael. Don't worry. <clears throat> but you know, when Moses thought it was all over, God said, we are just beginning. And during your hardships, when you wonder if God is with you, when you wonder why you're going through this and you see no way out, God is refining you and preparing you for a purpose, for a mission. Never, ever forget that we got to rave the Lord for our life Exodus chapter 14 speaking about Moses rave the Lord for our lives we are alive because the Lord God Almighty created the human race and against all odds we are part of it question if you could live your life all over again Could you do more than you have done so far? If you could live your life all over again, could you say, man, it would be so much more impacting than it has been so far? A few days ago, I had a meeting, myself and Nick, with the Council of Hackney to see if we could organize some kind of football project with them for underprivileged children that often do not have a perspective in life. And one of the things the person said was, you know, he said, there are children out there that have the talent. They have the ability but they don't know it. And if you put them on the pitch or you put them behind a musical instrument or in a classroom, whatever the case may be, it will not come out even though it is right there, maybe for everyone to see, except themselves. 
And why doesn't it come out? Because their whole lives, they've been beaten down. They've been told, you can't do it. You're no good. You're stupid. You're dumb. I wish you were never born. And some of us may have heard that. And so their self-esteem, their their sense of self-worth is totally taken away from them to the point where they have everything they need to be successful, but they just are convinced they cannot be successful. I was like, wow, how many of us are like that? We have been convinced that we cannot. And everyone believes in us except ourselves. And most of all, God believes in us. See, what is the purpose of your life? I ask you today. What is your purpose? What is your goal? What are we living for? Are we living because we have no choice? We're just alive, so that's why I'm living. Or do we believe that God has an incredible purpose and mission for each and every one of us sitting here today? This morning. On our deathbed. Deathbed, I'm sorry. On our deathbed. Will the ghosts of unrealized dreams be around? Will the ghost of unused talents be floating around the room? Will the ghost of not having gone after our dreams and God's dreams be floating around the room and most of all, the ghost of what could have been. God forbid that that is the case for any one of us. See, the ENC for me was, was very good. Truth be told, I came into the EMC worried because of our financial situation, lacking zeal. So yeah, zeal for my father's house. And I got to preach about it. Not focused. But you know, that's where we have the EMC, don't we? Because we know we're not where we need to be all the time. And the EMC will help us to get to where we need to be. For God. And in this case, our zeal. So the EMC was a great help for me. Not not only the messages, but spending time with disciples. That encourage you. And then we had midweek last, last Wednesday. And there was no message. Michael said... Everyone with a scripture, share what you learned at the EMC. And I was like, you know, EMC was awesome. I don't feel like getting up. And then people started getting up and people started sharing. And I started thinking to myself, you know, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. I have got to change and get indignant at my attitude, at my lack of faith. 
Because, see, I too had grown up being called stupid, dumb, no good, idiot, regularly. And it broke my confidence. I really believe for many years, I can do some things, but, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's just going to really be, be awesome. And the truth is, no one is ever awesome, but God can make everyone awesome. Do you want to be awesome? Isn't it awesome to be awesome? So I put before us today, how much longer are we going to be thinking about our past and why we cannot? Why we should not? Where are we going to focus on the Lord Almighty and say, why not? And have God use us in a manner that right now we cannot even begin to imagine. You see behind me, the cities that we have to go to. These are only a few cities. Believe it or not, Europe is much bigger than these cities here. Who will go to Amsterdam? Who will go to Berlin? Who will go to Athens, Greece? Who will go to Italia? Do you believe God can use you? Absolutely. We got to rave the Lord for our freedom. Galatians chapter 4. Believe it or not, we are all slaves. You say, what? I said, yes. You can be poor, you can be rich. You can be black, you can be white. And in between. We are all slaves. The question is, slave to what? That's where the difference lies. See, because in Galatians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the churches in the Galatian area. And he says there, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Idol worship. Well, you know, we are modern. We know that uh, dumb rock (laughs) cannot be God. We know that. But there are many things in our lives that are our masters. See, here's the thing. The more you possess, the more masters that you have that you need to obey. And the more masters you have that you need to obey, the more complicated, the more discouraging, and the more difficult your life will be. Which one of us have heard of the ringtail monkey? All right. Our Brazilian friend here has heard of the ringtail monkey. Do they have them in Brazil? Maybe. But I, I've, I, I've never seen, maybe I've seen the monkey, I don't know, but I imagine that their tails are like a ring. That's why they call the ringtail monkey. Well, those monkeys um, can be very hard to catch if you don't know how to catch them. For example, if you want to catch them to put in the zoo. But the Zulus know them and know how to capture them. They just have a melon with a small little hole in it, just big enough to put their tiny little hands into it. And these ringtail monkeys love to eat melon seed. 
So they put a tiny, so man, they, they, they get super excited and joyful. It's like, man, this is paradise. And man, and all for myself, life is good. And they put a little hand in it and they grab it full of seed. So what happens, the area of the hand increases. And now they, and it doesn't get out. It can't come out. But they're determined. I will eat this seed or die. <laughs> and they keep pulling and pulling and pulling. And while they're pulling, the Zulus come and capture them. Not for their zoo, but for their menu. <laughs> so, what do we have our hands called into? Are we truly free? See, I'm afraid that some of us are running after a mirage. You've, you, we've all seen a movie of the guy in the desert. Water! 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 And they see an oasis, they run and jump and start splashing up all the sand that's there. Because yeah. it's just a mirage. Running after something we are convinced will give us satisfaction and freedom and purpose and fulfillment. But once we get there, it's nothing but a mirage. See, God has an awesome plan for each and every one of us. Jesus said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. See, and we, we're all rich in many different ways. You know, we have the, on our back, we have the bag of financial wealth. Yeah, but I'm not, I don't have financial wealth. Financial ambition. That car, that house, that career, that relationship. I must have her. I must have him. Listen, you don't love that person. You just want her to be your prisoner. <laughs> or him to be your prisoner. And so, so what God is like an athlete helping us to reach the finish line. We stop at every junk food restaurant on the way to eat a Big Mac, a Whopper, and greasy fries. And we will never reach our destiny thinking that that whopper is going to fulfill me. Everything junk food, you feel full for five minutes, but you're still tired, you're sluggish, you have no energy. You felt like that? Yeah. Absolutely, so have I, unfortunately. That's okay to eat junk food once in a while. It's not okay to eat spiritual junk food once in a while. Sometimes we may say, well, and a lot of us, you have children. And if we don't, most of us, if not all, want to have children. And you know, children are awesome. They bring joy. But sometimes we say, you know, I'm doing this for my kids. 
I'm staying at work all night for my kids to have something. I want to have this for my children. And you know what? They may get it. But together with that, they're going to get your insecurities. Your greed. The tension you bring into the house. Because you insist on having those things. Instead of understanding what my kids need. It's a stable mom and dad who brings peace to the house. And who spends enough time with them to love them. Finally, rave the Lord for the Lord. To bring it for close, as Mike would say, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. We gotta love, we gotta rave the Lord for the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus gives us an incredible challenge. I just read a few days ago, Cristiano Ronaldo, anyone ever hear of him? The footballer? Only the best footballer in the world, nothing else. You know, he has a goal. He's not happy with being the best footballer now. He wants to be the best footballer to ever have roamed planet Earth. He said it when he's retired and he looks at his statistics, he wants to be able to say, I am the best there ever was. Better than Pele. Better than Messi. Better than Michael Hart. Better than anyone on the face of the earth. And that is for a worldly, really selfish goal that does not change anyone. Or benefit anyone except himself. Anyone ever hear of the 10,000 hour rule? 10,000 hour rule basically means that people believe with some research that if you practice anything, any discipline, any sport, any, any, uh, any discipline, after 10,000 hours, you have mastered it perfectly. Wow. And they study groups like the Beatles and other people who just, they said, man, these guys just practice 10,000 hours. Now, if you think about 10,000 hours, how much is that? That would mean that if you start at the age of five, and you want to be perfect in something by the age of 20, you must practice two hours every single day of your life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So while Ronaldo wants to be the perfect football player, we are called to be perfect like God. And while people sacrifice two hours every day for their whole life to achieve it, we sometimes can say, midweek again, church again, I have no time for anything else, this is hard, this is discouraging, where's my freedom? Do you know why we start saying such things? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We start saying those things when we have lost focus on God. We've lost our focus. Our eyes are no longer fixed on Jesus. They're fixed on ourselves. Because look what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See, if we start feeling like this is too much, I can't do it. I want to do other things. I want to have freedom. It's because the grace of God has left our hearts. The grace hasn't left us. Rather, our hearts have left God's grace. It's awesome to have Steve back with us. You know? You know, Steve was kind of cool and collective. I said, it's awesome. Steve back. He goes like, like that. But Steve had an impact in Toronto, Canada that will last for an eternity. What impact are we having? Wouldn't it be so awesome to stand in front of God and God say, well done, my good and faithful servants. It's in our hands. We just got to make sure we rave the Lord for the Lord. Thank you. Let's all stand, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing, I will call upon the Lord. I will. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one